How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. Welcome to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi, Leslie's executive producer, in for Leslie, uh, usually from 3 to 4 p.m. Eastern on Tuesdays. But today I'm going to be with you for the next two hours, and as I am much of the time when I am on, and I like to be joined by uh, our good friend Brad Bannon, who is also joining us today. Uh, Brad, for those of you who don't know, but uh, many of you do, as he's actually been a, a regular contributor to the show for the past decade, uh, he runs Bannon Communications Research, a polling message development and media firm which helps labor unions, progressive issue groups, and Democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns. He's also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for the website Tiller4U.com, which is the social media network for politics. That's Tiller4U, T-I-L-L-E-R, the number 4-Y-O-W.com. And he lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. You can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. That's B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. And his website is BannonCR.com. Brad, uh, we're actually welcoming a new affiliate, which just joined us yesterday, but I want to re-welcome them in for those of you who uh, who haven't heard myself or Brad. uh, We are very, very excited to have WPEK 880 AM, The Revolution, in Asheville, North Carolina. I know Leslie, uh, as she had mentioned, is very excited to uh, be joined by their great audience. So if anyone wants to talk to Brad, you'll you'll hear throughout the next two hours. He's really great uh, with with all sorts of political topics, but he really knows how to uh, get into the polls, crunch the numbers, analyze a lot of the events in the news, and not only in the presidential race, but as you'll see, you know, we're going to talk a little bit about uh, some uh, primary today between uh, Paul Ryan and his opponent, and, and many other events. But uh, as I had mentioned to you off air, Brad, today we're going to start with probably the the biggest news in the last twenty four hours in my mind, uh, which is Senator Susan Collins of Maine, who actually wrote an op ed for the Washington Post that came out. Uh, yesterday evening, for those of you who have not heard, um, this is, I'm actually going to read the op-ed, it's not that long, but uh, this is entitled, Susan Collins, Why I Cannot Support Trump. Uh, I will, quote, I will not be voting for Donald Trump for president. This is not a decision I make lightly, for I am a lifelong Republican. But Donald Trump does not reflect historical Republican values, nor the inclusive approach to governing that is critical to healing the divisions in our country. 
When the primary season started, it soon became apparent that much like Senator Bernie Sanders of Vermont, Mr. Trump was connecting with many Americans who felt that their voices were not being heard in Washington and who were tired of political correctness. But rejecting the conventions of political correctness is different from showing complete disregard for common decency. Mr. Trump did not stop with shedding the stilted campaign dialogue that often frustrates voters. Instead, he opted for a constant stream of denigrating comments, including demeaning Senator John McCain's heroic military service and repeatedly insulting Fox News host Megyn Kelly. With the passage of time, I have become increasingly dismayed by his constant stream of cruel comments and his ability to admit error or apologize. But it was his attacks directed at people who could not respond on equal footing, either because they do not share his power or stature, or because professional responsibility precluded them from engaging at such a level, that revealed Mr. Trump as an unworthy of being our president. My conclusion about Mr. Trump's unsuitability for office is based on disregard for the precept of treating others with respect, an idea that should transcend politics. Instead, he opts to mock the vulnerable and inflame prejudices by attacking ethnic and religious minorities. Three incidents in particular have led me to the inescapable conclusion that Mr. Trump lacks the temperament, self-discipline, and judgment required to be president. The first was his mocking of a reporter with disabilities, a shocking display that did not receive the scrutiny it deserved. I kept expecting Mr. Trump to apologize, at least privately, but he did not, instead denying that he had done what seemed undeniable to anyone who watched the video. At the time, I hoped that this was a terrible lapse, not a pattern of abuse. The second was Mr. Trump's repeated insistence that Gonzalo Curiel, a federal judge born and raised in Indiana, could not rule fairly in a case involving Trump University because of his Mexican heritage. For Mr. Trump to insist that Judge Curiel would be biased because of his ethnicity demonstrated a profound lack of respect not only for the judge but also for our constitution excuse me for our constitutional separation of powers the very foundation of our form of government again i waited in vain for mr trump to retract his words third was donald trump's criticism of the grieving parents of army captain humayun khan who was killed in iraq it is inconceivable that anyone much less a presidential candidate would attack two Gold Star parents. Rather than honoring their sacrifice and recognizing their pain, Mr. Trump disparaged the religion of the family of an American hero. And once again, he proved incapable of apologizing, of saying that he was wrong. I'm also deeply concerned that Mr. Trump's lack of self-restraint and his barrage of ill-informed comments would make an already perilous world even more so. It is reckless for a presidential candidate to publicly raise doubts about honoring treaty commitments with our allies. And she's referring, of course, to his comments on NATO there. Mr. Trump's tendency to lash out when challenged further, excuse me, when challenged, further escalates the possibility of disputes spinning dangerously out of control. I had hoped that we would see a, quote, new Donald Trump as an election candidate, as a general election candidate. One who would focus on jobs in the economy, tone down his rhetoric, develop more thoughtful policies, and yes, Apologize for ill-tempered rants. But the unpleasant reality that I have had to accept is that there will be no new Donald Trump, just the same candidate who will slash and burn and trample anything and anyone he perceives as being in his way or an easy scapegoat. Regrettably, his essential character appears to be fixed, and he seems incapable of change or growth. 
At the same time, I realize that Mr. Trump's success reflects profound discontent in this country, particularly among those who feel left behind by an unbalanced economy and who wonder whether their children will have a better life than their parents. As we have seen with the dissatisfaction with both major political party nominees, neither of whom I support, these passions are real and the public will demand action. Some will say that as a Republican, I have an obligation to support my party's nominee. I have thought long and hard about that, for being a Republican is part of what defines me as a person. I revere the history of my party, most particularly the value it has always placed on the worth and dignity of the individual, and I will continue to work across the country for Republican candidates. It is because of Mr. Trump's inability and unwillingness to honor that legacy that I am unable to support his candidacy. Brad, how significant is is this announcement and and specifically the words in that message? Well, they're very significant because I think it uh, is a the letter, the op-ed is a perfect reflection of how many Americans uh, feel that Donald Trump um, is incapable uh, personally and temperamentally of being an effective commander-in-chief. While uh, you were reading the letter, I was thinking of the numbers in a new Washington Post-ABC poll that came out Sunday. And one of the questions they asked, uh, do you think Donald Trump has the temperament and personality to be an effective commander-in-chief? Now, Mark, you're a sports fan, so let's do it this way. Over or under 40%? Ooh, I'm going to say because you're bringing it up, we're probably talking about under. Yeah, you're right. Only 31% of the voters felt that uh, uh, Donald Trump had the personality and temperament to be an effective commander-in-chief. And for you sports fans at home, the comparable figure for Hillary Clinton was 61%. Wow. And that, uh, you know, and I think uh, Senator Collins' letter uh, perfectly captures the essence of those numbers, uh, because a lot of people uh, who find may find Donald Trump entertaining, I'm not one of them, but there are obviously some people who do, uh, just don't think he has what it takes to be an effective commander-in-chief. They don't think he has a temperament for it. Uh, They don't trust him. And I know we're probably going to talk about this later uh, in the uh, in the show, but uh, this Collins letter uh, follows soon after, or actually uh, right on after Collins' letter. Uh, Fifty uh, Republican national security experts uh, wrote a letter explaining why they couldn't uh, they couldn't uh, support Donald Trump for president and why he would be dangerous to American national security. And, you know, I'm thinking, will the last uh, Republican who supports Donald Trump turn off the lights when he or she leaves the room? It really is starting to, to add up, Brad, and, and we, are, we are going to talk about that because I think they're both individually important, but there's a collective um, aspect to, to it being paired with one another on the same day. Um, back to Collins for a moment, though, before we, we go to our first break. And, and just a reminder, anyone who's listening, if you want to ask Brad a question or comment to Brad or my Myself on anything we mention, you're always welcome to join us regardless of uh, whether you agree, disagree, not sure. Uh, the number to do so is 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Uh, we're very good about getting to calls. Usually if you call in now, we definitely will be able to get to you. 
towards the end of the show, it gets a little bit more difficult. But if you get in line now, we'll definitely be able to get to you. Um, Brad, when we come back from the break, actually, why don't we do that? I want you to tell our audience how this this letter by Collins affects Trump's chances in Maine in the general election because he was just there last week I believe uh, trying to court some Maine voters and looking to see if he could uh, score that state uh, in the win column on November 8th but um, you know it was already a tough proposition for him and you know Senator Collins is a very popular figure in Maine she's been a senator actually since 1997 so um, I think this definitely uh, not only affects Trump's chances nationally uh, but in Maine as well but I want to get your take on that as well also as Brad alluded to there was another letter that came out yesterday by 50 senior republican national security officials the language in that letter potentially even more strong than the language you just heard in the op-ed by susan collins we're also going to talk about uh, a couple other topics as well all in the news today and we're going to get into donald trump's economic speech yesterday and a few other topics as well uh you're also welcome to chime in on anything uh that we haven't mentioned uh that's related if you'd like again the number to do so is 8886 leslie that's 888-653-7543 this is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by our good friend of the show, Brad Bannon, and we will be right back after this brief commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show, 888-6-LESLIE. back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall, again joined by Brad Bannon, longtime contributor here to the show. Again, you can check out his work at BannonCR.com or follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. Before we went to the break, Brad, uh, I wanted to ask you about the effect of Susan Collins' op-ed there and her saying she will not support Donald Trump uh, in the state of Maine. I know it seemed like it may have already been a tough proposition, you know, in recent polling, but polls can move, you know, as we saw the big swing after the Republican and then Democratic convention uh, towards Hillary Clinton for a variety of reasons. But uh, what do you think about the possibility of how this affects the state of Maine uh, in the Electoral College on Election Day, Brad? Well, I think your assessment is right. I think Trump was already in deep trouble in Maine. Uh, and I think Collins' letter was the coup de grace that finishes him off, pretty much. Uh, you know, I mean, basically, you know, I think Trump can effectively write off all six New England states, New York, Illinois, and California, even before we start. And that's a lot of electoral votes. Uh, so, uh, yeah, I think Collins' letter finishes him off in Maine. Uh, I think Collins' letter, there's another reason why I think Collins' letter is important. Uh, obviously, Trump is doing horribly with just about every minority group, blacks, um, Latinos, Asians, Muslims, you name it, he's doing ridiculously. I mean, the national, the Washington Post poll I referred to before showed he had 1% support among African Americans. And all I could think of, it was probably that woman he was uh, on, had on The Apprentice with him, Amoroso, whatever her name is, you know one yeah. liked. Um, but 
But anyway, uh, so, uh, but Trump does do reasonably with white men. But white women in the lat have supported Mitt Romney, for example. Uh, but again, if you look at the Washington Post poll, uh, white women are now uh, more likely to support Hillary Clinton than Donald Trump. And I think uh, Senator Collins' letter reflects a lot of the problems that women nationally have with Donald Trump. Uh, they think he's rude and boorish uh, and hostile to women. You know, and my guess is that when we get to the first debate on, I think it's September 26th, uh, if Trump shows up, or maybe even if he doesn't, uh, my guess is Hillary Clinton may just use that letter you just read as her opening statement in, in the debate, because I think it, you know, it basically uh, reflects all the sentiments of a lot of Americans. Yeah, I think you bring up a good point there, Brad. And, and actually, interestingly enough, the, the, as you mentioned, the Clinton campaign uh, representative, John Podesta, uh, already is saying to the Trump campaign, you know, basically, we're planning on showing up for these three debates and these shenanigans about the debate times, quote unquote, being rigged are ridiculous. The debate schedule was uh, released a year ago before Donald Trump was even the nominee and before the NFL even came out with their schedule. Uh, so it's really just asinine that the things that he's talking about and people are saying he's already trying to use it as a precursor to possibly, you know, uh, weasel his way out of some of the debates as he, he did backing out of one in the Republican primary. Uh, so I think it's good on them to already bring up the issue of, you know, and, and I think it makes him look weak. I mean, I remember, you know, this was different circumstances and a much different candidate. But after the big uh, economic crash that started happening right before the 2008 race, I believe it was in September of 2008. Um, uh, was it September 2000? No, yeah, it would have been September of 2008. Yeah. John McCain was going to back out of one of the debates with President Obama. And I remember he ended up going, but President Obama was like, I'll be there. So <laughs> yeah. I have to stand on the stage alone. I'll be there because the American people want to hear about solutions to these problems. Now, obviously, I have a lot more respect for John McCain than I do um, Donald Trump. But I think it's something that's worth talking about as you bring up, Brad, because it's a, a distinct possibility. We only have a minute before a break, but um, Senator Collins is the sixth sitting Republican senator to declare publicly that he or she is not voting for Trump. And she's the most senior of the bunch serving as a U.S. senator since 1997. The other uh, senators, Republican senators not backing Trump, are Ben Sass of Nebraska, Lindsey Graham of South Carolina, Dean Heller of Nevada, Mark Kirk of Illinois, and Mike Lee of Utah. Senator Jeff uh, Flake from Arizona could be the seventh member of the group, but he has not said definitively that he won't vote for Trump. He's always seemed to hedge his bets by saying uh, he won't uh, vote for Trump at this time or can't see himself voting for Trump. Uh, when we get back, out, back, I want to ask Brad if he ever recalls six sitting U.S. senators not supporting their own party's nominee for president. Seems close to unprecedented for me, but we'll find out. Uh, the number to join us is 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. We are with you uh, for the next hour and a half or so. Uh, before the break, as I was mentioning and starting to ask our guest Brad, and we're going to 
grab your calls on this uh, topic in just a moment, have you join in. Uh, whether he remembers a time uh, in modern political history, or I don't know, maybe political history, period, in American political history, where we have six senators, six sitting U.S. senators, not supporting their own nominees, excuse me, their own party's nominee for president, because that's what we have now with Susan Collins making her announcement yesterday. Again, just to recap, we've got Susan Collins, who's the most senior senator of, of this group. Uh, she's been serving since 1997. She's from Maine. Uh, there's Ben Sass of Nebraska. That's two. Lindsey Graham of South Carolina. That's three. Dean Heller of Nevada. That's four. Mark Kirk of Illinois, that's five, and Mike Lee of Utah is six. Again, Senator Jeff Flake from Arizona is kind of, he's using words where he could go either way. But Brad, do you, do you recall that anything like that? Uh, no, I don't think there's any precedent in American political history for this, and certainly not in the last century or so. Uh, you know, and I'd actually, I, I think you could safely add a couple of names to the list you had. Um, I think Ted Cruz made it clear at the Republican National Convention that he's not going to vote for Trump. Um, I would be willing to bet you almost any money John McCain won't either. Remember, he's the war hero who Donald Trump called a loser. Uh, Larry Pressler, who uh, is a former Republican member of the uh, of the Senate from South Dakota, last week said he thought Trump was a sociopath. So I think we can uh, safely bet that Senator Pressler is not going to vote no. for him either. Uh, there are at least two Republican governors I know of who said they will not vote uh, for Trump. Uh, Charlie Baker, the Republican governor of Massachusetts, uh, and his name escapes me, but the Republican governor of Maryland has also said he's not going to vote for Trump. Uh, it's, you know, oh, and uh, today, I believe, uh, William Milligan, the former Republican uh, governor of Michigan, announced he was going to vote for Hillary. Clinton. Um, so, you know, who's left? It is really crazy when you when you look at it in those terms. Uh, before we go to that letter you were talking about and another piece of breaking news I actually uh, want to get to regarding something that Trump just said recently uh, today that's making a lot of news, I want to first get to our, our callers here who have been uh, holding on the line. Uh, first, we're going to go to our good friend Michael in the Bronx. Michael, uh, what do you think about this this topic? What did you want to say? Uh, hi, you gentlemen. You know something? When it comes to Susan Collins, I am not quite, I'm really not surprised, even though she's Republican, she's a moderate Republican, and she's the type of woman that, you know, there's a time and a place for everything, and there's certain things you just cannot play politics with. And when it comes to the safety and well-being of the American people, of human beings in general, she will not play games with that. So I'm, if I'm not mistaken she um voted in favor of obamacare and there are plenty of other things that she's crossed party lines with for the sake of the people and i think she really deserves to be commended upon that and i think it's going to have a real significant impact as for the um undecided voters who are still not sure of which way to go and then if that's not enough all you have to look at is some of the republicans because I don't see any Democrats um, supporting Trump at all, especially not at this day or age. But Republicans such as my former New York City mayor, Rudy Giuliani, who's been stumping for Trump. But, hey, 
you know, I'd be the first to tell everybody that pretty much Giuliani was the exact same way when he was mayor, and nothing has changed with him. Nothing has changed with Trump. It's still the SOS, and I know you all know what that means. So, you know, he shows his true colors. You have Duck Dynasty showing their true colors. You got, um, who, was, who was that guy's name? Um, David, something that was um, the leader of the KKK. David Duke. Trump. Yeah, David, David Duke. Duke. Yeah, there's been plenty. You've got you've got a lot of, of people, you know, who are obviously of controversial background, seemingly supporting Trump. And I think the reason you're seeing those people come to the surface is a lot of the inflammatory rhetoric uh, that Trump has been using. And I'm going to get to a, a clip that just came down uh, in just a moment uh, that that Trump uh, just said today. Uh, in the meantime, I want to go to Ellen in New Mexico. Uh, Ellen, I know you had a comment you wanted to share as well. Hi, thanks. Thanks for uh, asking me to inviting me in. Absolutely. <laughs> so uh, these uh, so-called moderate Republican senators who are not supporting Trump, I want to know where their bravery, patriotism, and pro-governing uh, uh, actions are on forcing McConnell to vote on a Supreme Court justice. Most un-American thing. Obama um, nominated a perfectly respectable Orrin Hatch-approved nominee in Merrick Garland, and these senators—they'll stand up, you know, only so far as their spine will take them. But where is the outrage, and where is the pressure on their own leaders to do the right thing? I think that's such a good point. I mean, you, they have the fortitude to do this, obviously. Um, it's it's sad that there's not more of them, considering how outrageous the things that, that their nominee has said. But it's just as outrageous, and even more in a way, because these, this is a constitutionally uh, guaranteed responsibility that the president has. The Senate is supposed to have the power to review these picks, and they're not doing it. I mean, they're not even feigning doing it. They're not even having hearings, um, which we know would probably be a political show, to be honest, but the fact that they're not even doing that um, is unprecedented. It's just another example of how ridiculous the Republican Party has been even before Donald Trump kind of, you know, came to the top of their party, which a lot of people, you know, are, are saying there's this outrage by Republicans saying, oh, he doesn't represent our party. Well, really, honestly, they built this. They built this man. They, they, they let their party be in such disarray that someone could come to the top with this rhetoric that they've been using dog whistles to communicate, excuse me, to communicate communicate since President Obama came to power, and this is what you have. You know, you have a, a strong man of sorts who has come to the top using this inflammatory rhetoric um, about immigrants and not really having any knowledge on policy, but he can just use this inflammatory rhetoric. Um, and I think it's a great point, you know, where is their fortitude to talk about, you know, the Supreme Court nominee Merrick Garland, which, as you so, you know, excellently brought up, Orrin Hatch said when asked, I mean, this was just the biggest bunch of karma you could imagine you know saying he couldn't probably support anyone obama would would nominate they said oh well who would you suggest and he suggests merrick garland so then the president happens to pick him and he won't even give the guy a hearing so i, I couldn't agree with you more alan and uh, I, I really appreciate you calling in today thank you thank you absolutely now brad um this just came down in the last 10 minutes or so um this was heard today at a rally in north carolina uh, that Donald Trump was uh, giving, and you could tell this was an off-the-cuff remark. Um, I'm going to let you take a listen and ask you what you think of it, Brad, and we'll ask our audience as well uh, whether or not... Uh, well, well, I'll just let you hear the clip. Here we go. 
Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish the Second Amendment. By the way, and if she gets to pick, if she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. I mean, I don't know how else you take that as, as a threat of violence towards Hillary Clinton. I mean, what else could, could he possibly have meant by that, Brad? Well, I think the, uh, the word that you just used is key, is off the cuff. Uh, my, uh, my guess is uh, whoever is uh, Trump's spokesperson these days, and they got a new one because they fired the idiot last week who blamed uh, President Obama for Captain Khan's desk, um, even though President Obama didn't serve until four years after uh, Captain Khan died. Uh, it's, he just says all these things which are inflammatory, uh, which are wrong. And, you know, that this goes back to the discussion we had earlier in the hour. This is exactly why people, don't voters, don't think Donald Trump has the temperament to be an effective president. And by the way, not that uh, it matters, I guess, but he's wrong about the Second Amendment. Um, Hillary Clinton, uh, you know, I mean, the best example is the NRA has misconstrued and tortured the language of the Second Amendment for decades now. The Second Amendment says that in order to maintain a well-regulated militia, uh, the government should not take away, uh, prohibit American uh, citizens from owning guns. And up until about 1990, the Supreme Court always interpreted that as meaning, well, first of all, that if you want to join the militia, which is now the National Guard, knock yourself out. The Second Amendment allows you to carry a weapon if you want to join the state militia or National, uh, National Guard. Uh, second, uh, there's no one taking away anybody's guns. Hillary Clinton and most reasonable people, including about 92% of the American public, just want uh, legislation uh, that would reduce gun violence, not abolish guns. So not only are Trump's statements inflammatory, uh, they're just plain wrong. Absolutely. Uh, and that's, this is why he gets into trouble, uh, and this is why he's going to lose the election, uh, because his campaign people can't muzzle him and stop him from saying and tweeting stupid things. Yeah, I mean, and Brad, I want to... he does this, Brad, he'll I wanna, be in trouble. I want to interject real quick. I think you make a great point about his... his for, the first thing he said, which is that Hillary Clinton wants to abolish the Second Amendment, is, you know, ridiculous, and anyone who's looking at it from a non-political, simply... Uh, you know, a stance of just analyzing her positions will not come to that conclusion because it's just not realistic. We heard the same things about President Obama, you know, coming to take everyone's guns. And, and you know, that's obviously asinine when you look at how many guns there are on the streets. I mean, nothing of the sort has happened. The one proposal he had was something, as you said, 92 percent of Americans and polls want, which is universal background checks. Um, and the other thing which has been talked about is an assault weapons ban, which we already had from the mid-90s to the middle of uh, the 
2000 and 2010. I think it was like 94 to, to 04. And look at people still had guns, but there was uh, less, you know, assault weapons on the streets. But the thing that goes beyond the pale, the difference between, you know, we've heard other Republicans talk about that. Oh, the Democrats want to take your guns, abolish the Second Amendment. We heard Sharon Angle, I think was her name, who was opposing Harry Reid in the Senate, say the famous quote or infamous quote about using, quote unquote, Second Amendment remedies. This this echoes that to me. Um, Politico is writing now about this, uh, and there's an update. Uh, quote, Trump Second Amendment may be only way to block Clinton's judicial picks. Uh, this is from Ben Wofford. Donald Trump on Tuesday said the Second Amendment may be the only way to stop Hillary Clinton from getting to appoint federal judges if she wins the presidential election in November. Quote, Hillary, as you just heard, Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish the Second Amendment. He said, by the way, and if she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is. I don't know. But I'll tell you what, that will be a horrible day. The reference to the Second Amendment, the right to keep and bear arms, could be interpreted as a joke about using violence to stop Clinton. Uh, Let me see here or her judicial picks, Trump was speaking at a rally in Wilmington, North Carolina, where he repeated his regular claim that we just mentioned about her wanting to abolish the Second Amendment. Uh, We now have an update. The Trump campaign rejected the notion, of course, that Trump was inciting violence against Clinton or anyone else with his aside at the the rally. Instead, the campaign said that the billionaire was simply appealing to the, quote, collective political muscle Second Amendment supporters possess. Clinton did not take any questions after her event in Miami on Tuesday, but reached for comment. Uh, Her campaign manager, Robbie Mook, condemned the comments. Quote, this is simple. What Trump is saying is dangerous. A person seeking to be the president of the United States should not suggest violence in any way. Uh, Following Trump's remarks, the main super PAC supporting Clinton Priorities USA immediately circulated the clip with the subject. Quote, Donald Trump just suggested that someone shoot Hillary Clinton. And I'm sorry, but I think people need to come out and say what it appears to be because you don't need uh, there's plenty of people I'm sure who did take it that way Brad and that's well, enough yeah, to not do it you know, Trump's missing an important piece here which is why he's going to lose this election this, this his problems have nothing this campaign and and Trump created a situation where this campaign is no longer about issues uh, it's all about personality, and Trump made the campaign this way because of his, you know, constant, you know, political attacks, inflammatory statements. This campaign has nothing to do with issues anymore, like the Second Amendment or global warming or any damn thing. This selection has become a referendum, and this is exactly what Hillary Clinton wanted. This campaign has become a referendum on whether you think Donald Trump has the qualifications and temperament to be an effective commander-in-chief. And the answer to that now among American voters is no, by about a two-to-one margin. And, you know, Donald Trump can talk about issues until the cows come home, but no one's going to pay any attention to what he says until he reaches the threshold, which is, I am qualified to do this job. And he never even tries to do that. He never even tries to convince people that he has the qualifications and temperament to do the job. And because he hasn't hit, that's the major threshold you have to reach to be considered as a serious presidential candidate. He has not got there, and until he does, no one will listen talk about any issue, including guns or just about anything you can name. 
Brad, very good points brought up there. We're going to be back with Brad at the top of next hour. Uh, in the meantime, we're going to hear in a moment from Talk Media News, our daily news service. If you're new to the show, that comes from us from our nation's capital. Uh, I want to leave you with this, though, uh, a tweet by Representative Kathleen Rice, who is a congresswoman representing the uh, New York's 4th District. Quote, this is not a joke. This is about Trump's comments we just played. This is not a joke. This is a presidential nominee suggesting people shoot his opponent. This is Trump. And another tweet right after, quote, what would Secret Service do if a citizen suggested that Second Amendment people do something to stop a presidential nominee? Uh, A very good point and something that is greatly concerning to me. So if you'd like to join in with uh, your thoughts on what we just played, you can do so at 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. Again, we're going to be coming back with Talk Media News. Uh, At the top of next hour, we'll talk some more about uh, the clip we just played, as well as the letter from 50 senior Republican national security officials that Brad had mentioned and uh, some other news as well. This is Mark Romoli and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. Good afternoon and welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall. As promised, we are joined by Talk Media News. Today we have good friend of the show, Talk Media News reporter and former Congressman Bob Ney. Bob, welcome to the show. How are you today? Thank you, Mark. I'm fine. So, Bob, uh, today we, or pretty soon, it sounds like we're going to have uh, budgets released by both presidential candidates. Is that correct? And if so, when are we expecting to see them? Yes, the dueling budgets. Trump's will look shockingly like something Ronald Reagan would do, and Hillary Clinton's will look very Democratic-oriented. And that's a, a change, at least in taxes, initially from mm-hmm. some of the policies that Trump had been talking about during the, the primaries, as we heard in uh, some of his speech right. yesterday. Is that correct? Yes, he's actually backed off of some of the tax brackets. He's not going with what he originally wanted to go with. He's going with less. The business theory is if he goes down to 15%, by the way, then people will, you know, reinvest back into America, which uh, they, you know, necessarily won't. Nothing in the budget would uh, address the the debt in itself. Hillary Clinton said it was a budget written by uh, Wall Street. Bob, I want to ask you a question. Uh, I think this is interesting about uh, former Rhode Island Congressman Patrick Kennedy, who's uh, a mental health advocate. Uh, What did did his op-ed have to say that he penned? uh, I think it was, was it today or yesterday? Yes, and and it was, he uh, opted it yesterday, and I I served with him. And, you know, Patrick uh, Kennedy, is he's fought with substances, as I have and other people have. Uh, He's been a huge mental health advocate. What he is saying is, look, I don't support uh, Donald Trump. He said, but he said, let's not demean this issue. He's not a Trump fan, but he wants to stop people from, uh, he wants to stop him from becoming president, but he doesn't want to use demeaning language. And he said, there's a lot to criticize about the policies, but we can reject Trump without resorting to making baseless diagnoses of his mental health. So he's just saying, just throwing the word crazy out there is what that word. He has a real problem with it. He, He said it demeans those who really suffer from real mental health issues. So I thought it was, knowing Patrick Kennedy and serving with him, I thought it was something very sincere from him. Yeah, I think you know, it's somebody who has a lot of credibility on the issue. Right. I, I think the messenger is, is 
just as important as the message in this case. It's someone who you can right. trust about it. So I think, uh, you know, I have a lot of respect for him, and I'm happy he brought it up because obviously, you know, maybe not the most popular thing to bring up with a lot of uh, a right. way that a lot of Democrats feel about Trump. But I, I think we can uh, raise the language here. You know, a lot of people are upset with the language that Trump's using. So, you know, I right. think that's an interesting sure. point. So, Bob, thank you very much for the news today. Again, you can always uh, listen to Bob's work right here on the Leslie Marshall Show or check him out, talkmedianews.com. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall. We'll be back with Brad Bannon after this quick commercial break to take your calls at 8886-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. The Leslie Marshall Show, a true democracy in talk radio. Of, for, and by you, the people. time zone you're in this is mark Grimaldi in for leslie marshall joined by good friend and regular regular contributor to the show brad bannon who runs bannon communications research which is a polling message development and media firm which helps labor unions progressive issue groups and democratic candidates win public affairs and political campaigns brad is also a senior advisor to and contributing editor for the website Tiller4U.com, which is the social media network for politics. That's T-I-L-L-E-R, the number four, com. He lectures in political science at Salem State University in Salem, Massachusetts. And you can follow him on Twitter at Brad Bannon. That's B-R-A-D-B-A-N-N-O-N. And his own website is BannonCR.com. Brad, welcome back to the show. Hey, Mark. How are you doing? Very good. And uh, as promised, we are going to get to your calls in a minute. But for those of our affiliates who are just joining us this hour or our audience members who are maybe just hopping in their car on the way home, uh, the biggest news in the last hour that is uh, kind of exploding on social media now are the comments by uh, Republican presidential nominee Donald Trump uh, at a rally in North Carolina uh, today. And we're going to replay that clip now for those of you who haven't heard it. And then we'll talk a little bit more about it and some of the reaction that's coming out. Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish the Second Amendment. By the way, and if she gets to pick, if she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is. I don't know. So obviously uh, a lot of people taking that as a a thinly veiled threat to uh, Secretary Clinton uh, if she were to become president and have the opportunity to pick the next Supreme Court justice. Um, We did have a response from the Trump campaign already, which rejected the notion that Trump was inciting violence against Clinton or anyone else. Instead, saying that the candidate was simply appealing to the collective political muscle the Second Amendment supporters possess. Um, we have Representative Kathleen Rice, who is the congresswoman from New York's 4th District, uh, actually bringing up a, a couple of good points on Twitter. Uh, let me just get to that tab. 
And uh, she said, this is not a joke. This is a presidential nominee suggesting people shoot his opponent. This is Trump. What would Secret Service do if a citizen... Sorry, what would Secret Service do if a citizen suggested that, quote, Second Amendment people do something to stop a presidential nominee? We have uh, some reporters on Twitter already saying that they've contacted the Secret Service to see if they have uh, if there's going to be any action on this, if they're taking it as a threat. Uh, The Secret Service has said they're aware with the comments and they're not prepared to make a statement yet. So it sounds like maybe they're going to uh, because there's. Um, enough people who are wondering uh, about this comment. Um, I think this, I mean, there's a number of different comments that Trump has made that are considered dangerous, you know, threatening physical violence himself at people at, uh, to people at his rallies, potentially inciting violence at some of his earlier rallies. Um, it's always dangerous to say, oh, this one finally crossed the line because it seems like we've all thought that one time or another about Trump. Um, but, you know, it, it seems to just get worse and worse. And as you pointed out, Brad, um, it just shows that he's not serious about being a candidate. But but my concern is, I know everybody's biggest concern is the election. I'm starting, honestly, it concerns me about the safety of, of Hillary Clinton because the people that tend to be coming to these rallies, if you hear the, the rhetoric, and, and obviously everyone has a First Amendment, but when it crosses the line and there's some sort of, of threats of violence, uh, you know, thinly veiled or not, I start to get concerned about the safety of, of a candidate. And honestly, I would be about Trump, too, if, if someone started saying that about him. I don't want to see anyone get hurt. Um, but these supporters in particular uh, who, you know, preach this, you know, absolute, you know, a power about the Second Amendment, that there are zero limitations, you know, tend to be very vocal on these issues. And, and when they hear something like this, I just wonder, um, you know, what could happen. And, and there's already enough gun violence in this country. We don't need anyone pushing, you know, the issue further, especially uh, when you look at some, like I said, some of these supporters. And, and it concerns me, Brad. Well, yeah, I think it's, I mean, obviously, we're living you know, at at a time of incredibly high tensions. Uh, you know, people are being shot all across the country. And to say something like this, which is, in my opinion, is a thinly veiled reference to uh, the uh, physical safety of uh, Hillary Clinton, is completely irresponsible. And again, you know, this is not the kind of talk that people want to hear from a presidential candidate. They want somebody who is going to stabilize a very chaotic situation in our country. And they're not going to want something who's go- someone who's going to inflame tensions uh, even more uh, than uh, higher than they are now. You know, and I mean, this is just, you know, my... my the thing I'm going to thinking is, what is he going to say next week? Well, that's uh, the other thing, Brad. I mean, it's it goes eventually it goes beyond politics, as as Senator Collins said in her op-ed. Uh, for her, this goes beyond politics. You know, the reason that she has announced yesterday that she won't be supporting, uh, you know, her her nominee's uh, candidate for president. And uh, we do have some calls on the topic. Again, if you want to get in line now, uh, we do have a line open eight 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 six Leslie. That's eight 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 six five three seven five four three. We're joined next by uh, Carol uh, from our new affiliate in Asheville, WPEK. Carol, thanks so much for uh, giving us a shout, and uh, what did you want to say? Oh, well, welcome to the Asheville area. Well, one thing I want to say is 
I mean, I feel like Donald Trump is playing political limbo. How low can you go? I mean, I, I just don't know where the end is. I, and, uh, I mean, he's not a comedian. He keeps trying to say things are tongue-in-cheek. Well, it's more like hoof and mouth. <laughs> and I am so proud of Senator Collins for how articulately she expressed herself in her, her letter. And I couldn't agree with her more. And um, I wrote so many notes down about all this. It's just He's so maddening. But he's disrespectful to everyone. <clears throat> I mean, he used a baby in the audience to disrespect a person who's actually a Republican who came to his event. I mean, politicians are supposed to kiss babies, not use them for making fun of. So um, he's pretty low. And also, just just if you notice, during the uh, during the Republican convention, his children got up there and talked about their father. But one thing I noticed that was very blaring, you never heard about their father in tea parties. You never heard about their father. This makes me so sad. At soccer games, you don't hear about little things with yeah, their father. as if he wasn't that involved in raising them, as you heard with Hillary Clinton, for instance, talking about her involvement with Chelsea Clinton or vice versa. It was all about, you know, he taught me this about business or, you know, about my career. Right. And I think that does have an effect on, you know, I'm a young parent, but... I think, and Brad, you're a parent, it, it, it does have an effect on humanizing you when you care for someone, and, and you don't have to be a parent to obviously have the, you know, those feelings, but I think it does reflect on you know wh- who you can be a- as a person and what type of things that you value, um, but I think this, as you said, this goes way beyond that, what he said today and some of his other comments, and I, I, I like your analogy, I think it's spot on as far as political limbo and how low can he go, and I keep thinking, I guess foolishly, that, wow, I mean, after the things he said about Judge Curiel or the disabled reporter or the Khan family, you know, the three things that Senator Collins brought or up. Or taking someone's purple heart and, and yeah. making a joke of it. Yeah, exactly right. I, I mean, that's Seriously. the thing. You, you can forget I mean, about some of them. There's so many. You start talking about them, and all of a sudden you just you run out of fingers on your hands, and you got to start counting on your toes, it seems like. Um, you know, I, I really I couldn't agree with you more, and I think you bring up some really strong points, Carol. I really appreciate you calling in. Well, thank you so much for giving me the time, and I enjoy listening to you today, and I will keep on listening. Absolutely. Colin, anytime you're more than welcome. Brad, I know you wanted to respond. Go ahead. Yeah, I, uh, yeah, I, yeah, I think uh, I agree totally. Uh, I'm going to make a couple of predictions here. Um, the first prediction is uh, that this uh, crap he made today uh, is going to create a new surge of Republican defections. So I think we'll be seeing them more in the next few days. Because this is exactly the thing that Republicans uh, are scared of Donald Trump. Because he says, you know, let me give you a good example. There is a hot U.S. Senate race in North Carolina. Uh, the incumbent senator uh, is the Republican Richard Burr. Uh, he is running against uh, a Democrat named Deborah Ross. Uh, the polls show that it's a very tight race. And this is the kind of crack that not only hurts Trump, but is going to hurt Richard Burr. And the Republic, you know, if you talk to Republicans in D.C., you know, people at the Republican National Committee, they have no illusions. They know Trump is not going to win the presidential race. 
and their efforts are devoted solely to making sure that when Donald Trump goes down, he doesn't take the rest of the party with him, uh, because there's that danger now. The other prediction I'll make, and I hate to say this, but I'd be willing to bet it's true, that the closer we get to the election, closer we get to Election Day, the comments that he will make, like this one, or like the comments he made about the Khan family um, or whatever, uh, will get more vitriolic uh, the closer we get to the campaign. Uh, because I think what's going to happen is I think at some point, um, let's face it, Donald Trump's his own worst enemy. He shot himself in the foot again today. And I think as we get closer to the election, it's going to become more and more apparent to Donald Trump uh, that he's not going to win the presidential race. And at that point, I think he'll start lashing out uh, even more hardly, uh, you know, you know, more than he has already. So I think you're going to see him make a lot of statements, maybe even worse than this, uh, because he can't control himself. I think he's incredibly angry because he feels that Americans should automatically accept him as the next president. And as it becomes more and more apparent to him they aren't, I think he's going to get angrier and angrier and strike out even more. I think that's a fair analysis, Brad. I mean, interestingly enough, yesterday, Eugene Robinson, the Washington Post columnist, wrote a piece called This Campaign Could Get Worse, A Lot Worse, and detailed uh, some similar uh, thoughts that, that you had. And that's before Trump even made these comments. So it was almost like he predicted it, not that it was a you know particularly prophetic prediction, considering the, the track record that Trump has had. Um, before we go to break, I just want to mention, too, I think you bring up a good point. If any Republicans were looking for an off-ramp, they're not the first ones to, uh, you know, dip their foot in the pool. They've got six sitting Republican U.S. senators now with the announcement by Susan Collins. The letter we haven't even gotten to from yesterday, 50 senior national security Republicans saying they won't vote, uh, vote for Trump. Some saying they'll vote for Clinton. Others just specifically saying they will not vote for Trump. Um, we also have, which we haven't even gotten to yet, and I know we have a, a call on that we're going to get to, we have another Republican presidential nominee, a relative unknown, who declared his candidacy yesterday. Uh, we'll talk about you know, what potential effects that's going to have on the race, this topic, and much, much more. Again, uh, talking about the uh, breaking news in the last hour or so, the comments that Donald Trump made, uh, a very thinly, it's about thin as you can get, thinly veiled threat uh, about Second Amendment options that people could use if Hillary Clinton has a chance to uh, get a Supreme Court justice nominee. Uh, Second Amendment options they could use to stop her. Uh, do the math yourself there. Uh, as um, you heard, the number to call us is 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by Brad Bannon. And we'll be right back after this quick commercial break. You're listening to The Leslie Marshall Show. Truth for all sides of the spectrum. 888-6-LESLIE. Good evening or afternoon, depending on which coast you're on. This is Mark Romaldi in for Leslie Marshall, joined by a good friend of the show, Brad Bannon, who is head of Bannon Communications Research. Uh, Brad, we are going to take some more calls. That sound good to you? Great. 
All right. We are going to go next to Ann in uh, Oregon. And, Ann, you wanted to uh, bring up something that I think Brad will have some thoughts on as well as myself um, about a Republican presidential candidate not named Donald Trump. Go ahead. Yes, thank you. Um, I'd like to ask my question and then uh, take the answer off air. Sure. Um, regarding this new candidate, Evan McMullen, is it? Um, I don't have a computer, and I would like you to tell me about him. Sure. Okay? I can give you the base. You know, I'm going to let Brad do the, the deep digging, but uh, essentially we've got um, – let me just find this here. Yeah, so Evan Mc, McMullen is a former uh, worker for the CIA, and I know that in yesterday's New York Times they did a profile piece on him, which a lot of Americans heard about him for the first time. He's a former CIA official and a Republican who passionately opposes Trump, and he announced yesterday he would run as an independent. Um, he, until recently, worked on policy development with the House Republican Conference. Uh, he's missed the ballot access deadlines in more than two dozen states, but um, as a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, he studied in Utah, and it's it's it's... I mean, it's there's a potential that it could take some votes away from Trump in that heavily Mormon state. So, Brad, what's your take on his candidacy? We've got about two minutes before our hard break, so we may have to start and stop. But go ahead with your thoughts. Uh, well, Ann, uh, two things. Uh, first of all, uh, he is a national security effort. He works with the Republican House Caucus on national security issues, which figures since he was a, this, uh, worked for the CIA. Uh, and he has... He could do damage to Trump. Utah, Mark brought up Utah. Utah is very close between Clinton and Trump now. In fact, uh, the campaign sent Bill Clinton to campaign there today. And a Democrat hasn't won Utah since 1964. And, you know, he could tip the balance, take away enough votes from uh, 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 Trump in Utah to give the state to Hillary Clinton. Uh, so this is just another bad news, especially from Republicans who specialize in national security and intelligence issues. Do you think, I mean, do you think it's possible that we could see, uh, you know, just thinking about Mitt Romney being, uh, you know, strong presence in Utah and obviously having a lot of problems with Trump and was maybe looking at endorsing someone besides Trump, but not Hillary Clinton. Um, what do you think the chances are that we could see a Romney endorsement of McMullen? Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't be surprised at all. Uh, Romney hates Trump as much as most Democrats do, uh, and you know I think the fact that Hillary Clinton is competitive in Utah, even without Mitt Romney, uh, show and with you know uh, with the new candidate siphoning off votes from Trump, uh, this is getting really bad because there are states that Trump should be an easy winner in, like Utah, Georgia, and Arizona, where he's trailing or actually behind Hillary Clinton. Uh, so this has, uh, you know, as you said, uh, McMullen can, has missed so many filing deadlines, he cannot win a, the 270 electoral votes to become president, but he can make Trump's life miserable. All right, Brad, good point there. We're going to go to break. This is Mark Grimaldi in for Leslie Marshall. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. 8886-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. I always hate to interrupt Jimi Hendrix, but uh, 
such as the business. Uh, glad to have a little bit of it. At least, Brad, I know you're uh, a big rock fan. Sometimes we need music to escape from uh, these crazy times. But uh, today, just as crazy as ever with Donald Trump in the race, uh, his comments regarding uh, Second Amendment people doing something to potentially stop Hillary Clinton from uh, having any power to nominate Supreme Court justices if she was elected president. Another thing that you had alluded to brad which uh again it's these news cycles just seemed so many things happen in such a short amount of time in this race um pretty unprecedented things happening it seems again and again we now as i said have six sitting u.s senators if not more uh not supporting their own party's nominee with the announcement yesterday by susan collins another thing you mentioned brad was we've got um a letter by 50 of the nation's most senior Republican national security officials, many of them former top aides or cabinet members for President George W. Bush, signed a letter declaring that Trump, quote, lacks the character, values, and experience to be president and would put at risk our country's national security and well-being, end quote. They warned that Trump, quote, would be the most reckless American president in American history, end quote. I mean, when adding this to ex-CIA director Mike uh, Morell's endorsement of Hillary Clinton on Friday, how, how damning is all of this for Trump in the area specifically of, of national security, Brad? Well, it's very damning. Uh, you know, it, it hurts Trump for at least a couple different reasons I can think of. One is that letter, like Senator Collins' letter, goes straight to the concern that Americans have about Donald Trump is his temperament. And most, very few Americans think he has the temperament or personality to be an effective command chief. And the Collins letter and that letter uh, go right to that. Uh, so it's very deadly. And you know, I mean, it. You know, all the stuff coming on top of each other um, is just you know, incredibly damaging. Uh, you know, Americans, you know, I've said this before, Americans want presidential candidates to meet a certain threshold before they go anywhere else. And that is to convince Americans that they have the qualifications and deep temperament to be an effective commander-in-chief. And Donald Trump isn't anywhere close to that. Um, the defection of these 50 GOP national security uh uh, experts, uh, the candidacy of Evan McMullen that we just talked about in the previous segment. Uh, and, and, you know, there's something else I want to add because uh, we're talking about Trump's problems with Republicans. Uh, there's a very important Republican uh, who is not going to support Donald Trump that is probably just from a political standpoint the biggest danger to Trump. Uh, and that's John Kasich of Ohio. Um, I cannot imagine any scenario where Donald Trump gets to 270 electoral votes without Ohio. And I'm utterly convinced that John Kasich, Republican that he is, will do everything he can to make sure Trump doesn't win Ohio. Uh, and, you know, it, it's just the Republican defections are killing him. And, and like I said before, I guarantee that after this uh, Trump a violent you know, statement about violence against Hillary Clinton, there'll be more this week. Yeah, I think uh, if they were looking for an off-ramp, Brad, I mean, they, they've had plenty. But yeah. here's another one. And then in, in lesser, I don't say lesser news, but a smaller piece of news, which in a quote-unquote normal campaign cycle may have gotten more press, 
uh, but obviously with everything else going on, got buried a little bit yesterday, is um, you had another defection. Uh, this is of a, uh, another swing state in addition uh, to Ohio, uh, maybe the next most important state of Florida. Um, you had uh, the communications director of the Florida Republican Party, Wadi uh, Guyton, announcing yesterday that he's stepping down because he cannot defend Trump's racism any longer, as he told a close friend. Um, is this the demographic of the electorate that Trump is alienating? Uh, is this the one that could hurt him the most in November, the, the Latino demographic? Oh, yeah. You see, I, well, a couple of things. Uh, yes, the Latino, I am convinced and will be irony for Donald Trump that the reason he'll lose this presidential election is because the Latino turnout will be go through the roof. Uh, and I think that's what's going to – that's ultimately what will destroy Donald Trump's presidential campaign. Uh, I think in states like Arizona and Colorado and Florida, the Latino turnout will just overwhelm Trump. And let me give you another example from Florida. Uh, yesterday, the lieutenant governor of Florida, a Republican who is Latino, and I can't remember his or her name, uh, gave uh, – was at a campaign rally uh, for – for uh, the Republican candidates uh, for office in Florida, and he went through the litany of uh, candidates that he wanted uh, the audience to support. Marco Rubio for governor, um, a member of Congress, you know, a couple of Republicans running for state legislature, uh, you know, a couple of Republicans running for dog catcher locally, and the name he failed to utter was Donald Trump. He mentioned every other Republican who was running for anything, but he pointless. you know, I mean, you know, obviously he just skipped over Donald Trump because he didn't want to be associated with him. Yeah, Carlo, I think is it Carlos Lopez Cantera? Yeah. Yeah, that's a very good point. Again, in Florida, Brad, so very damaging. Um, before we go to break, let's go to uh, another uh, mainstay, a uh, good friend of the show, Reggie in Georgia. Reggie, I know you wanted to comment about the comments that came down from Donald Trump in the last couple hours regarding uh, the Second Amendment quote. Well, actually, we'll play that again for our audience who hasn't heard it yet. It's only about 18 seconds, and then we'll let uh, Reggie uh, comment. Again, this was Donald Trump today. Hillary wants to abolish, essentially abolish, the Second Amendment. By the way, and if she gets to pick, if she gets to pick her judges, nothing you can do, folks. Although the Second Amendment people, maybe there is, I don't know. All right, so Reggie, Reggie, go ahead. Well, happy Tuesday to you and Brad, Marky Mark. I mean, what, what, is, what exactly the hell did she ever say that? I never heard her say that. I never heard her say that. What exactly the hell did she ever say that? Number one and two, why would uh, why wouldn't why won't anybody challenge this man? You know, not the mainstream media, not the Republican politicians, not anybody. Why won't they challenge this man and stand up to him? Are they afraid they'll lose accessibility to him? I'm talking about the mainstream mainstream media, Marky. Yeah, Reggie, I have an answer for that. Um, the Republicans won't stop him because they created this monster, right. and now they can't control him. It is kind uh, of like the, the, the you know Frankenstein. I mean, yeah, if you it think it's about Franken, it, it's Frankenstein. They created this horrible monster, and now they can't control him. And he's running, uh, he's rampaging through the village, 
uh, you know, killing the villagers. And there's nothing that Reese Priebus or any other Republican can do about it. And, you know, they made this bed. My mother used to say, well, you made your bed, now you can lie in it. That's exactly what happened with the Republicans. They create, they empowered all the crazies and lunatics in the party, and they gave birth to Donald Trump. Yeah, Brad, we saw it. I mean, if you look at, they had the option uh, to work with this president or not, and that was one level of it, to just say, we're not going to work with him at all. You know, the night uh, he was being, uh, I was it the night he was being sworn in, where Mitch McConnell said our, our goal, your main goal is going to make him a one-term president, and they did nothing to work with him, even through, you know, we saw to, to save the economy, um, pretty much anything you could imagine, the Affordable Care Act, you know, even when... John Boehner wanted to make, the, if you remember the, the the name, they were calling it the grand bargain on taxes. Obama was working to, yep. to, you know, work across the aisle, you know, and we didn't see that. We saw instead the Tea Party, which they embraced, which we've seen what that's done. I mean, Kansas was like the laboratory for the Tea Party uh, to get into power and look what's happened to their state economy now. And instead, you know, they keep having these radical voices uh, and they're ha- having those in their party instead of real solutions and letting just the, the crazy rhetoric fly off you know the handle and not really you know scorning these people instead emboldening them letting these people get into to power and you see what happened and then you you have someone who's you know was not popular but was seen as more of a moderate voice like a jeb bush if you remember or before bridgegate chris christie those were supposed to be the people who you know were going to be running against hillary clinton and you saw those also be unpopular because they weren't using the type of rhetoric donald trump was and you have these Republican primary voters that latched on to Trump because they like the rhetoric he was using now, but it's a double-edged sword because the rhetoric that attracted them to him is now the rhetoric that's hurting him in the general election. Because as you, as you have said, and many others have said, the, the type of campaign you run to win a Republican primary, especially with today's Republican Party, is way different than the general electorate as the numbers of, of people identifying as Republicans has been declining. Um, and, yeah. and I think I have a, can it. we ask the callers questions? Sure. I have a question for Reggie. Yeah, I mean, Reggie, you still there? Yeah. Go ahead, Brad. Okay. Uh, I trust your political judgment, uh, Reggie. We've talked a lot. Uh, let me ask you a question. Um, Hillary, Clinton, Hillary Clinton's campaign believes they can win Georgia, and if I'm not mistaken, no Democrat has won Georgia. I think uh, back uh, I, Bill Clinton might have won it uh, in 96, and I know Jimmy Carter uh, won it in uh, 76. So my question to you is, uh, the Atlanta Journal-Constitution released a poll showing Clinton ahead in Georgia by six points. Can she win it? Yes, I think she can, and she keeps pers- persevering and going after Trump, but not in a negative way, but in a positive way. She should persevere and keep right on striding ahead. You know, beating them, you know, beating them to the punch. I mean, and deflecting attacks, uh, personal insults and attacks that he has he's made against her. Essentially you know, rise above, rise above yeah. what Trump has been doing. I think that's a good point, and I think that's that was a great contrast between the two conventions, and uh, you really saw that. And I, I think she's doing the right thing, trying to rise above the fray. You know, Robbie Mook responded, her campaign manager, to this uh, this uh, rhetoric by Trump today, saying any rhetoric that, uh, you know, incites violence or is dangerous, whether you're joking or not, which was their excuse. Um, and I think it's a great point you bring up, Brad, seeing that, you know, six points in Georgia, I mean, it's, it, it's pretty amazing. 
amazing. Coming into our last break, I'm going to talk to Brad a little bit about the economic speech that Donald Trump gave yesterday and uh, why it, it really looks like, you know, a lot of analysts are looking at it and saying it's a lot of repackaged, trickle-down economics. Um, Rick Newman, who's with Yahoo Finance, a very good nonpartisan writer, breaks it down. We'll go a little bit into that. If you'd like to call in now, this is your last chance to do so. 888-6-LESLIE. That's 888-653-7543. This is Mark Romaldi along with Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall. We'll be right back after this quick commercial break. Life, liberty, and the pursuit of truth. The Leslie Marshall Show. 888-6-LESLIE. Welcome back to the Leslie Marshall Show. This is Mark Romaldi in with Brad Bannon for Leslie Marshall. We go back to our calls. Let's go to uh, another good friend of the show, Manny in Massachusetts. Manny, go ahead with your thoughts. Yeah, I just wanted to say, you know, if Hillary Clinton said one thing that Donald Trump has said, they would talk about it in the news every single day into election day, and they would try to make it to get out of the race. Oh, it's, it's, it's completely... It's, Two different types of a coin the way they treat these people. It really is. You have them talking about things like if you remember, like oh, her, you know, her voice was too high or something, or the way she like communicated with people earlier in the campaign. It, it was like trying to find the smallest little thing to criticize, and you have Trump saying the things he said that Susan Collins brought up in her op-ed yesterday and the comments he made today. Um, I think Mandy brings up a good point, Brad, uh, as far as the way that the two candidates have been covered. I do think the the media has gotten better about it as they've started to treat Trump as less of an entertainer and a joke and more like a real candidate, but there's still, I think, a big double standard, it seems, because they're trying to somehow find something uh, to you know attack Hillary Clinton on if they've had to attack Donald Trump or not even attack him, but just report what he said, which seems like an attack because of how bad it is, I guess. I mean, what do you, what do you say? Yeah, I think that's, uh, that's what it is, Mark. And uh, I, Manny, I think you're exactly right. I think the difference is that I think, first of all, I agree with Manny. I think the media uh, approach to covering Hillary Clinton has been unrelentingly negative. Uh, and as Mark said, a lot of it has to, I think, is very, is sexist. Um, they uh, talk about her pantsuits, uh, you know, how high her voice is, uh, you know, all sorts of things that they'd never mention about a male candidate. Uh, but I, I think the difference is, uh, I think the media has been unrelentingly critical of Hillary Clinton, and it has been for about 30 years now. And it's amazing she's still, you know, she's on the verge of becoming in the United States because the, the media had bludgeoned her for 30 years, ever since she became first lady in 1991. Uh, 90, well, ever since Bill Clinton announced his president campaign in 1991. The difference, I think, is the media... Uh, hurts, uh, go attacks uh, Hillary Clinton and drives up her negatives. The difference is they don't have to do it with Donald Trump because Donald Trump does it himself. And, you know, as Mark just said, all they have to do is let Donald Trump talk. 
And that's why the man has an incredibly high negative right now uh, and is trailing uh, Hillary Clinton double digits in, in the national presidential polls because all the media has to do is uh, just give Trump enough rope to hang himself. And fortunately for the republic, uh, the media gives Donald Trump a lot of rope, uh, and so he hangs himself from a pretty high tree. I think it has a lot to do with standards, too. They hold it to a higher standard, and they have no standards for him whatsoever. It is true. She does seem to be held to a higher standard, uh, you know, in a lot of different ways, uh, maybe because she's been a public official. And like I said, they seem to treat Trump almost uh, as an entertainer and give him so much leeway, you know, and and I think that that was a problem even more so during the Republican primaries. And there's still a lot to be desired in the coverage, but I I think it has gotten a bit better. Um, In the last couple of minutes, Brad, I want to get into the economic speech delivered by Donald Trump in Detroit yesterday. Um, For those who uh, want to take a look at this article by Rick Newman, who's Yahoo uh, Finance reporter. Um, it's entitled Trump's Economic Plan, The Good, the Bad, the Empty Slogans. Um, and it broke it down into three different categories, which Trump, actually four, which Trump talked about yesterday, which were tax reform, trade reform, regulatory reform, and energy reform. And some of the biggest takeaways I noticed and that, that he talked about were, you know, everyone was almost applauding Trump for staying on the teleprompter as if that was some great, you know, achievement for him. Um, but when you got to the contents of the speech, it really was trickle-down economics, which, you know, has proven to have failed the country. Uh, just repackaged, you have him talking about um, – doing reducing taxes uh, for everyone and streamlining deductions uh, b- presenting the biggest tax reform since Reagan, which sounds great, but several uh, nonpartisan analysts, including Moody's, say that this will add about $10 trillion uh, to the national deficit over a decade. Uh, you also have um, him talking about dropping the corporate tax rate from 35% to 15%, but as analysts have said, that would benefit shareholders with ordinary workers waiting for the gains to trickle down, which is quite a tough sell. Uh, no guarantee that would happen. He talked about what he calls the death tax, an old Republican rallying cry, which is a big joke. If you look at uh, the actual facts on that, uh, only 0.2% of Americans, 0.2% of Americans paid any estate taxes last year because you want to know what the minimum is per couple? $10.9 million before you start paying anything as far as the estate tax. So well, yeah, uh, you're exactly right. And the difference here is if you're looking at your average blue-collar worker in Youngstown, Youngstown, Ohio, they don't leave money to their kids. They leave debts. Yeah, exactly. I mean, it's just that uh, to to have that be some big, bold tax reform idea is a joke. You know, his big he's supposed to be great on trade. His big idea is, quote, entering into no trade deal unless it increases our economic growth and strengthens our manufacturing base, end quote. As Rick Newman, so again, nonpartisan, nonpartisan finance reporter said, the government has always done this, quote, you know, directing the Commerce Department to use all legal tools to respond to trade violations already does this. You have his regulatory reform, which is really dangerous. Some of his ideas talking about removing regulations that protect our clean water, talking about repealing and replacing Obamacare, a tired idea that's already been tried. Um, You have also, when he talks about, this one was really scary, especially for people like myself who are uh, concerned about the environment. Um, He's talking about trying to get the Keystone Pipeline reintroduced, which analysts have said would only add several hundred jobs. I mean, none of this is, is any new or bold ideas 
that are really going to do anything to help you know your average American. No, you're right. It's basically traditional Republican dogma, except for one thing, uh, which is the trade thing. Uh, he beats up uh, on international trade, but remember, this is the guy who sells ties uh, made in China and T-shirts and caps made in Bangladesh. And right now, if you look at the Rust Belt states like Ohio and Michigan and western Pennsylvania, the Clinton ad is uh, Clinton campaign is running an ad uh, which talks, you know, basically shows the ties made in China and the T-shirts and caps made in Bangladesh. And I think it's a very devastating commercial and takes the pegs right out of uh, Trump's uh, trade position. Exactly. I think great point there, Brad. Great way to end the show. That was Brad Bannon. Check him out on Twitter at Brad Bannon. This has been Mark Grimaldi and Brad Bannon in for Leslie Marshall.